Hey there, welcome to the Chosen for the Culture podcast, episode 5. This is your host, Tyler DeWitt. I'm glad you're here. Get comfortable. Uh, Let's have a discussion. Men's NCAA tournament, women's NCAA tournament. We got the Final Four coming up. Uh, NBA storylines, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, now DeMarcus Cousins uh, signings uh, with their respective new teams. I'm going to go over a few overrated and underrated uh, players and coach uh, in the NBA. Give you my thoughts there. Um, MVP odds uh, shaking up um, with Jokic, Harden, Giannis, LeBron, Embiid, uh, Dame, and a smattering of, of other players. Uh, we'll talk about that. And of course, my player of the week. So let's dive into it. Men's NCAA tournament. Uh, it's been quite an exciting tournament. I, I look back at my previous picks and I was wrong on almost every single one of them, which, hey, it happens. No big deal. But what I'm right about is Gonzaga. And I think a lot of people are in agreement with Gonzaga. Um, they have won their games, I believe. They've won each game by 15 or more points uh, in, in the NCAA tournament. And they absolutely dominated USC. I thought that would be um, a, a much better competitive game, um, which is unfortunate. But they just, they're, they're too much. Jalen Suggs, Drew Timmy and company. I mean, it, it's just absolutely too much for them. Um, I think every, everyone that uh, is really surprised about, obviously, you know, not only their seeding, but the fact that they had to play a, a play-in game is UCLA. And I, I picked Michigan State to beat UCLA in the play-in game. So it just goes to show that you never know what happens in March. No, no one knows. So they upset Michigan. UCLA did. Uh, Baylor cruised past Arkansas, which I think everyone you know had a good feeling about that. Um, and then Oregon State gave gave Houston everything that they had, and they they made a late game, uh, a late end of the half run in the second half, um, tied the game up, and then Houston just took over the game. And they, they cruised past them to hold on to go to the Final Four. So what we're looking at is Baylor versus Houston. One seed Baylor, two seed Houston. Uh, now we have uh, 11 UCLA versus one Gonzaga. So I'm leaning towards Baylor. I think Baylor just looks very strong defensively. Um, I think that they're they're going to have uh, everything that it takes uh, to beat this Houston team. But we can't be counting out Houston. Houston has played really well um, during the tournament. Um, 11 UCLA, 1 Gonzaga. This is a more interesting matchup, and the reason why is you always have a, a team of destiny, right? A team of fate. Um, you know, through the NCAA tournament, you have your Cinderella's, whatever it may be. Um, this is by far the most difficult matchup that they're going to face with UCLA facing Gonzaga. Um, they are the second team to make the Final Four from a playing game. They're the second team. The, the other team was, I believe, VCU. I'm not sure of the year, but I believe it was VCU um, was the other team. I think it was VCU. Nonetheless, um, they are the second team, though. That is facts. Now, Gonzaga absolutely lights up the scoreboard. I think they're scoring 80-plus 80, 80 points a game. I don't think they've scored less than 80. I, I, I don't believe so. But nonetheless... Even if they did score less than 80, they're in the high 70s anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Does UCLA have enough firepower 
to keep up with Gonzaga? Or are they going to be able to slow them down enough to be able to hold on defensively? I don't believe so. I think everyone's counting out UCLA, but we always have these teams every so often that they're just a team of destiny, they're a team of fate, and that no matter what opponent, no matter who is in front of them, they're going to win. So we're going to see about that. One Baylor versus two Houston. I have Baylor, 11 UCLA versus one Gonzaga. I have one Gonzaga. Um, Two one seeds playing uh, in the championship. I actually had Ohio State uh, making it to making to the championship game. We all know how that how that went uh, went about. So um, don't necessarily trust my my picks on on anything NCAA um, tournament wise, uh, but I feel fairly confident about it. Gonzaga Baylor's up in the air, but I think that they're strong enough defensively to to take care of Houston. Now, moving on to the women's side of the NCAA tournament. I don't know if. Anyone had had watched or at least seen the highlights of the uh, UConn Baylor game, um, the controversial no call, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter, she got fouled. I initially, I initially thought she did not get fouled, but she did get fouled, which is unfortunate. You obviously want it, it, if there's a foul, it's a foul. Call the foul, right? So the rules don't change. Just because it's in the fourth quarter or the last 10 seconds of the game or whatever it is. If you commit a violation, if you commit a foul, it's a foul. Blow the whistle. Simple as that. I'm tired of hearing that argument. Well, let the players figure it out. No. If it's a foul, it's a foul. Right? It is what it is there. But you can't change the outcome. UConn moves on. Um, They are seeking their 12th championship. Their 12th championship. Incredible. Paige Beckers, um, she was just recently named the uh, AP Women's Player of the Year, uh, Women's uh, you know College Basketball Player of the Year. She's averaging twenty six and five on the season as a freshman at UConn, leading her team in the tournament to a Final Four as a freshman. Incredible. In today's day and age, too, I. I, you know, being around the, the AAU scene, you know, uh, online and, and seeing all of these kids, you know, go through the AAU circuit, I, I knew about Paige while, while she was playing AAU. I mean, she was one of the more um, hyped uh, women's basketball players that I've ever seen. And her play speaks for itself. She's an incredible basketball player. And being someone personally who coaches women's basketball, um, you know, and, and being around, you know, the women's side more than the men's in terms of coaching um, and whatnot. Um, she is a ridiculous talent. I mean, e- easily going to the WNBA. Um, no, no questions there. But my goodness, she scored 28 points in that Baylor game. And she's averaging 26 and 5. Now, what I will say is, you know, being being an analyst and just actually analyzing the game late, late in the fourth quarter, she, she was extremely tired. She was exhausted, uh, which rightfully so. I mean, you know, scoring 28 points in four quarters isn't an easy thing to do along with playing defense on one of the best, excuse me, one of the best players, you know, on the Baylor basketball team. So credit her. Uh, the first freshman to do to win that award is absolutely incredible. Um, just just hat, hats off to her, and it's just very, very cool to see. Very cool to see something like that in my lifetime. So, 
the final four for the women's tournament. Um, and with with the women's side, you know, I, I guess you could also make the argument somewhat for the men's side too. But there really isn't any type of parity at all with the the women's side, you know, in women's basketball and uh, in, in the NCAA at least. Um, you know, you have UConn um, <laughs> seeking their twelfth championship. Um, they've been to the final four. I don't even know how many times. Um, they're playing Arizona, which Arizona that's their first. Final Four, they're the only odd team out, and then you have South Carolina versus Stanford, which South Carolina, this is going to be their third Final Four in six years, and then Stanford, this is their 14th Final Four appearance, so um, yeah, I mean, Arizona is the odd team out, obviously, but you know, uh, like like I've said before, and I'll say it again, I mean, I I like seeing dynasties, I like seeing greatness, so you know, you have these coaches and these players that go through these colleges that are great and the coaches are great. And that's what I want to see. You know, obviously it's fun. It's fun to have a Cinderella team and it's fun to have, you know, a, a team of destiny or, you know, upsets along the way. Of course, of course, I, I, I love watching that and I love seeing that. But I love seeing greatness prevail always. So that'll be fun. Uh, the, the men's side and the women's side, it, it'll both be great, um, great to watch and uh, definitely be, be talking about that on the next podcast. But moving along quite nicely here, transitioning into the NBA. Um, and, and before I do so, um, before I do so, um, my picks, um, I have uh, UConn, South Carolina, UConn, South Carolina. In the in the championship game, I think UConn's too much, um, and I don't know. I, I, I like uh, I like South Carolina this year, so we'll see. We'll see. Now NBA: Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, Demarcus Cousins signings. You know, with their respective teams. Obviously, Drummond going to the Lakers. Um, Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge signing with the Nets, and then or you know, signed traded however you want to slice it. Um, and then DeMarcus Cousins now going to the Clippers. Do any do any of these moves truthfully move the needle in a, in a big fashion? The answer to me is no. I don't think so. Um, I don't think Andre Drummond provides... He, he provides short-term help. He's almost a, a Band-Aid in the short term. Um, to, to help them throughout the regular season. Is he going to be closing out games? I don't think so. Why? why in my opinion, he's not a good free throw shooter. He doesn't provide any type of, um, how, how do you want to phrase it? And any type of uh, a stretch possibility in, in terms of shooting from the outside. And, and that's where you, you really want those type of knockdown shooters that, you know, late in the game, especially good free throw shooters too. So I don't really think Andre Drummond closes out games. Uh, do I think Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge moved the needle a lot? No. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge is getting quite old. Um, Blake Griffin is showing some some spurts and things like that. The last few games, you know, he dunked already twice. And supposedly, you know, he hasn't dunked since 2019 and he goes out and does that. That's great, right? That's great. I mean, he scored a few points here and there. He's not going to be scoring a lot of points. He's not moving the needle in that way. So how how else do you help your team? You help your team defensively, which I think I don't think he's that great of a defender anymore. And 
you also help your team in, in terms of leadership. Now, how many, like who, who do you, who steps up as a leader in that locker room? Because now you have Kevin Durant when he comes back, Kyrie Irving, you have James Harden, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin. Like, you know, how, how do these guys fit in? And I know LaMarcus Aldridge even recently said that he he's there to, you know, to win games. He's not there, you know, for, you know, to, to be an all-star, which, I mean, I don't think he'll be an all-star anyway, even if he does play a full season, but that's neither here nor there. It's great that he already has that attitude coming in. Blake has that attitude coming in. That's fantastic, right? That's that's great. But I don't know how much they really help in the playoffs. You know, sure they're they're going to give decent minutes, but are they really going to make that big of an impact? I don't know. I haven't seen a, enough of Demarcus Cousins. He's just been he just hasn't been healthy. Um, hasn't played enough games for me to really give any type of opinion. But going to the Clippers, I think the Clippers are dysfunctional as it is. Um, they just recently blew a double-digit lead, I believe. I believe it was double digits uh, against Orlando the other night. Um, and then they tossed up a bunch of bricks to try and to try and tie the game, and they couldn't, and they lost. So I think the Clippers have a lot to figure out. I think, you know, even though that they're sitting in, I believe they're the third seed now, uh, even though they're still sitting in the third seed in the West, that's great, but I still think that there is some dysfunction there. Will they figure it out? I'm sure they will, but we're going to have to see about that. Now, another thing to think about with all of those guys is can they all stay healthy? I think that that's a huge, a huge question that, you know, we you, you won't know till you know kind of deal, obviously. But that is a, a great concern to have if you're a Lakers fan, if you're a Nets fan, and then if you're obviously a Clippers fan. So we're going to see. We'll see how that all shakes out. Now, I'm really excited about this. So uh, I, I'm going over uh, three different, uh, two different players and one coach, uh, overrated, underrated. Uh, I'll give you my opinion. You let me know what you think. Um, ben Simmons, overrated. He is overrated. And I'm going to die on this hill until he can legitimately prove to everybody that this isn't who he is. In terms of, he does not close out games. He refuses to shoot the ball outside of the key. It's very, it's quite sparingly he ever does that. He hasn't evolved his game since he has consistently played games uh, in the league, right? He was injured that first year and then banged up a little bit here and there. But it's it, this is just who he is. He he is a he's a great point guard. He'll grab a lot of rebounds and he'll give you fifteen to sixteen a night. That's all. That's what he's averaging. He's averaging sixteen, eight, and seven. Which eight assists, seven rebounds. I mean, that's a great stat line. Or eight rebounds, seven assists, rather. It's a great stat line. It's fantastic. But if he's not playing great defense, he's not giving you anything on the other side. So wh- where is it? Wh- where Where is this, you know, all-star stud that he was supposed to, he was really supposed to come in to the league and, and dominate? But he hasn't, he hasn't done anything to evolve his game or, or convince me of, of that. 
So, to to me, yeah, he's an all star, but I think that that's overrated. I I don't know if he should be. I I don't I don't I don't know if he should be an all star. Is he overrated to me? Yes, I'll say it again. Give me some information to to kind of to you know make me change my mind. But you look at that team. Tobias Harris is closing out games. You're going to pass the ball to Seth Curry or Danny Green. Joel Embiid, when he's healthy, he's he's the guy that's going to close out the game. So, I mean, Ben has had all, all of his opportunity all of this time to prove otherwise. And he hasn't. So, I, this is just who he is. Th- there isn't any more time, you know, to, to give him in that in that regard. So... It's you know in terms of this season. So next season is he going to come out and and really begin to evolve his game and start shooting from the outside, or is he just not that player? He just doesn't shoot from the outside, or he just doesn't shoot at all. He just shoots layups. I I don't know. But Russell Westbrook underrated. He is so I don't know if it's underrated or underappreciated. I mean he. It's criminal. It's absolutely criminal the way that people view Russell Westbrook uh, in the sense of saying that he's a stat patter. And, you know, Twitter is easily the worst thing that has ever happened to sports in general because you have, you know, a bunch of people in there, media people too, just spouting nonsense all of the time. And it's so frustrating to me because this guy is the person you teach your kids to be. This is the the kind of person you teach your kid to emulate on the court and hustle after absolutely every single rebound and give 110% and be a great leader and be a great communicator and do all of these things and fly around the court and take charges. And that's, that's who Russell Westbrook is and that's what he embodies is hustle. And he gets criticized for it. I mean, the man is averaging a triple-double this year. No one's talking about it, of course, because he plays on the Wizards. But what's also funny about that is you have the league leader in scoring also on the Wizards, Bradley Beal. So, that stinks. A small market, not-so-great team, that stinks, right? That people just, they don't care. Like, no, no one cares. If your if your record isn't good enough, then no matter what you do that season, it's like oh okay yeah that's cool I guess but you know whatever you didn't make the playoffs or you didn't win a championship so basically your entire season's irrelevant. It's so frustrating to me, absolutely frustrating. This man, <laughs> I had to write it down because I couldn't even remember it because it was so outrageous. So he had a thirty five point twenty one assist fourteen rebound stat line a couple games ago. 35 points, 21 assists, and 14 rebounds. That's absolutely crazy. That blows my mind. He's averaging 22, 10, and 10. Didn't have an all-star appearance. Um, ridiculous. Russell Westbrook, underrated or at least underappreciated. Um, the, the coach that I wanted to analyze is uh, is Brad Stevens. Uh, Brad Stevens, to me, is overrated. Um, now, what I, what I will say is I'm going to be honest, okay, He's only had two losing seasons out of the eight. Okay, fair, right? So six out of eight seasons, he's had a winning record, which is great. Which he has about, it's a, it's a 55.8% uh, win 
percentage. Okay, so he's thirty. Excuse me, three hundred and forty-one wins, two hundred seventy losses. Um, now, here's where it gets shaky, and here's where people get judged by. So, I think that if we judge the players by this, we need to judge the coaches by this as well. His record in the playoffs is thirty-seven and thirty-six, just above five hundred in the playoffs. Has he won a championship yet? No, eight years. He's had plenty of pieces to work with. There's no excuses there. He's had great regular seasons. He's had great players come through. So, doesn't help that he ran into LeBron, you know, throughout his throughout the beginning of his career either. But that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, Brad Stevens, overrated. Book it, quote it. It is what it is. I'm gonna die on that hill too. All right, moving on. A um, couple things to cover. Uh, we have uh, the the MVP odds, the MVP race, and then my player of the week. So um, I, I just looked this up. Uh, Jokic is now heavily, heavily favored. Uh, 55% chance of, of him winning. Uh, Harden, I believe, is just under 20%. And then Giannis and company. Um, LeBron, Joel Embiid, not even in the top five anymore. So really, it, it appears that the narrative that they drive home is the best value is availability. So they haven't been available. And the 76ers have been winning games. So, I mean, Joel is is out uh, just by him being injured. And then also on top of that, the 76ers still winning games. So that doesn't help his case. Um, And then LeBron just being injured as it is anyway. Um, You know, his team fourth in the West. You know, you you have other, you know, other players now like, you know, Jokic has kind of steamrolled his team, you know, to the top five in the Western Conference. Um, Damian Lillard still being talked about, which is great. I love Damian Lillard, but um, it, it really looks like now it's it's Jokic. It's it's his award to lose, is what it seems like moving into the the latter half of the half of the season. So we'll see, but that's a shame because I mean I I'm a I'm a big LeBron fan. I, I love LeBron. I'll, I'll always always be fair about it um does he deserve an mvp this year no he does not has he deserved mvps in previous years yes he has um that is fair to discuss and debate and argue um does Jokic deserve this mvp yes he does um now it's just a shame that i i I just wish that joel Embiid was healthy because if he had not gone down with this injury we'd be talking about Jokic and Embiid. And a, and a battle for the center position for the MVP. And I think that would be a great narrative. That'd be a great discussion. Um, but it's just a shame that injuries, they are the way that they are. So it is what it is. We have to move on from it. Um, I hope Joel Embiid comes back and plays extremely well. Um, keeps the you know keeps the Sixers at the top of the standings in the Eastern Conference. But again, we'll see how it shakes out. My player of the week, uh, Zion Williamson has been playing lights out. Um, very, very cool to watch him play basketball. Um, they've been kind of allowing him more, giving him more playmaking opportunities, which I think are is, is not only helping him, but helping the team. Uh, I think that he's becoming more and more comfortable handling the ball um, and expanding on his playmaking capabilities. It's very, very cool to watch. Um, 35, 8, and 5, 65% shooting um, in the last four games. They've beat uh, Boston, Dallas, the Lakers without LeBron and AD, but still uh, solid win in my opinion. Um, and then they lost to Denver, which was a close game, I think, by five. So 
Um, great week for Zion Williamson. Um, I, I'm really excited to watch this this guy play and come up into the league. I just pray that this guy can stay healthy. He's had so many injuries. Not I won't say so many, but he's had you know an injury history. I guess I can say, um, which concerns a lot of people and it concerns me. But I hope that he can keep it together. He can stay healthy, and we can see a lot more Zion Williamson in the future. So, um, guys, as always, um, it, it's been a pleasure talking uh you know talking basketball with you if if you agree with anything let me know if you disagree with anything or want to talk about it let me know uh instagram uh at ty dewitt with three t's t-y-d-e-w-i-t-t-t um i'll be more than happy to have any kind of debate conversation with you i appreciate you guys listening and i'm gonna see you next week